Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're continuing a series of programs that I'm recording from an exciting venue in Maine, in New England, right in the United States. I am here actually speaking at a conference that has brought together many health professionals and uh spiritual leaders, people from all walks of life, talking about different aspects of health and wholeness. I'm doing a series on topics as diverse as diabetes and high blood pressure, but another major track that is going on in this venue in Freeport, Maine, is actually a track dealing with addictive behaviors. They call it a track dealing with uh, recovery and especially with a journey to wholeness. Some of you may have heard a previous program on this topic. I've got someone else who's participating in that track. His name is Sean Milano. Sean, it's great to have you with us. It's great to be here with you, Doctor. Sean, you and I have crossed paths uh, over the years. It's been great to see you again here, and you've been taking a leading role in uh, really what uh, is a a training seminar, isn't it, for people from uh, several states? That's right. We're trying to educate folks and show them that they can create safe environments in their communities to help folks that are struggling with very serious uh, addictions or problems in their life. This is so important, so important. I mean, whether someone's listening today, uh, they live on a reservation, and on the res they might say, hey, you tell one person something, everybody's going to know about it. Or whether it's someone attending a church. Uh, You know, people may think places are safe because there's family, there's people that they love and care about, but when it comes to sharing secrets, they're often not safe places, are they? That's right, because folks need people that they can trust, Because when we're struggling with something serious, you know, addiction to, let's say, alcohol or drugs or, you know, many men are addicted to pornography and and increasingly women, they need a safe place and a safe group of people that they can go to that can help them overcome these problems because we're powerless over some of these addictions in our lives alone. Mm. And so, of course, people listening, tuning into the show today... If they've dealt with drug or alcohol issues or other addictive behaviors, many of them are thinking, well, I've been a part of AA or NA, Narcotics Anonymous, or Overeaters Anonymous, or many of these groups. And they all, uh, if you look at it as a health professional as I have, they all look pretty similar. They all talk about these 12 steps, don't they? Yes, they do. It's common. The 12-step program is very well designed. But in our journey to wholeness, as it's called in in the program that our church is sponsoring, there's a complete package that looks to God and Christ as our higher power, as opposed to a generic higher power. And so we're looking for a complete uh, healing with the person spiritually and physically and emotionally. And that's what separates really the Journey to Wholeness program from other programs. There's a very similar program. Uh, that uh, Rick Warren in the Saddleback Church uh, came up with in California. 
and uh, that's called Celebrate Recovery, and that's a fabulous program. Jesus Christ is a higher power of that program as well. It's a Christ-centered recovery program that has actually swept the nation. It's much more uh, well-known than the Journey to Wholeness uh, that our church sponsors. So basically, you're a Seventh-day Adventist. Yes. And the seminar is being put on. We had a privilege in an earlier interview to talk with one of your uh, partners who's putting on the uh, the program, one of your uh, uh, partners in ministry, if we were to call it that way, uh, that was um, uh, here not only himself, and uh, he also brought in uh, Dr. Uh, Angie David, who was uh, sharing. So we had... Uh, you know, some some great folks that were actually sharing messages about this uh, program developed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, uh, you know, whether it's uh, someone who heard the show with, with Eddie Travis and with Dr. David or whether this program now, some are already perhaps saying, and I'll just be honest with you, Sean, they're saying, well, this really isn't for me. I am from a Native American background, I've never bought into this Christianity business. I'm a member of a 12-step group. I go to AA, and that's sufficient for me. Are you basically saying a person would be better off in one of these other programs, or is AA the best program for some people? Well, if something is working for that person, the important part is the community, and Mm -hmm. and many of the 12 steps are focused on just that. Mm -hmm. It's the accountability and the support uh, that they receive in that group that is helping them to overcome that addiction. Even the Rick Warren program and the Adventist program, they they came from the AA program because okay. the 12 steps work. So we need to talk a little bit about those 12 steps because you know many people have heard of these programs. They don't know what those steps are. They don't even know what it's, what it's all about. We do want to talk about that. But before we do, I, I want to just emphasize what I hear you saying, Sean, to make sure I'm on the same page and all my listeners are. What I hear you saying is people that are dealing with addictions, they need help. They need community. There are great resources out there. If AA, NA, Gamblers Anonymous, any of these things are working for you, stick with it. Keep being involved. But what I've noticed, many people who come from a Christian background, many of them feel that uh, the 12-step group they are a part of is not really meeting their needs fully, and so they're looking for other options. Is this basically the type of person who would end up in a Celebrate Recovery or a Journey to Wholeness group? That's correct. What we're finding is that people are afraid to share their deepest struggles mm-hmm. with the community that they should be trusting the most. Let's call it their church community for the Christian community. Whereas the church should be the first place that they should go when they're having a problem and needing help. They feel like it's the last place that they can share a very difficult problem because it may give the appearance that they're weak or they're not living up to God's Mm -hmm. standards. Mm -hmm. But that is precisely the atmosphere that we want to combat in the church because Christ came to, when he entered a, a village or a place, when he left, there wasn't a sick person there. Mm. He came to meet their needs in the, and no need was too difficult. And that's what the community, the, the church community should be 
serving in their community in that same way. Now, Sean, is this a realistic concern? Are, have you seen practical evidence that churches can be a dangerous place to try to get support? Absolutely. You know, we could look just at as, as an example where a pastor has fallen into a, a very serious, let's say, pornography or even a prostitution problem, okay. and the entire church has dissolved because of that problem. So they all learned about it. They all learned about it. And the the man in charge was actually the one struggling, and mm-hmm. it it split in it splits an entire church and and it can it can disband a non denominational church mm-hmm. if there's no one to come in and replace it can actually destroy a church uh and so but yet if the proper environment was set up for healing th- things could have been done differently, and that mm-hmm. pastor could have been encouraged and nurtured to overcome and and get through it now not as an acting pastor but Lay leaders could have taken over if if that environment was a pl- a place where there was uh, commitment to total healing f- from these addictions, then these people could have gotten help as opposed to shamed, publicly shamed. So tell us to someone who's listening now and they say, okay, I, things aren't working for me. I haven't found a connection here in the area I live. Maybe they're in an urban area. Maybe they're on a reservation. There aren't a lot of options. And they're saying, I am a Christian, was raised uh, in a Christian home, or maybe they've embraced Christianity later in life, and they're interested in one of these programs. And you mentioned Celebrate Recovery, developed by the non-denominational Saddleback Church and Rick Warren's group there. You've actually been a part of actually attending and or delivering Celebrate Recovery programs. Is that right? I have actually attended Celebrate Recovery programs when I was uh, struggling with alcohol. Okay. So you yourself came from a background where you had problems with alcohol. Yes. And that was a program that helped you personally. Absolutely. And it was the only one available to me at the time. Hmm. And and what was it like? It was a a very safe place Hmm. to go and discuss the problem that I had and to be with people and get encouragement from folks struggling with the same things that I was struggling Mm. with and that have overcome. And and there was accountability there and there was encouragement there and there wasn't condemnation and shame. Was this meeting in a church? This particular group did meet in a church, you know, Mm. you know, in evening hours and they were, and they developed that ministry for their church members, mm-hmm. and so there were probably some church members going there. But it was in a, to reach out to the community, and there were many community members there. Excellent. So let's give us uh, just in a nutshell, Sean, what those twelve steps are. I don't think we have to go through each one, you know, point by point. But what does it uh, look like, the twelve step program? Well, to begin with, we can look at the early steps, which which. Before we can solve a problem, we have to admit that we have one. Okay. And that's the problem with a lot of folks caught in addiction. They're in denial. Mm. They they're they're saying, Well, I don't have a problem. And that's in until we really come to grips with the fact that we have a problem that is affecting our not only our lives but the lives of those that we profess to love. Mm. There's very little that can be done to help the person. 
And when someone's in the throes of an addiction, whether they're admitting it or not, their life to a certain level has become unmanageable. Isn't that one of the themes in those early steps? That's right. That you admit that your life has become unmanageable and that you're powerless to overcome the addiction on your own. That's the admission of Mm -hmm. the problem that you have. So when a person gets to that point, they realize they need help, then they are working through these steps. They're coming to admit they have a problem. And then what is the group? How does the group play into it? And how does that fit in with these 12 steps? So in the group setting, you get encouragement that others that may have gone through this process or have had dealt with some of these same struggles and are living in the victorious or overcoming state at that time, they've been sober for 10 years or five years or, you know, they can give encouragement that it's possible mm-hmm. to overcome these things. And so once we admit them, once we admit we have a problem, then we can confess that we've caused problems mm-hmm. in our lives. And this com- group community is a safe place to work through that confession uh, part of the 12 step, which is, hey, I have to take a, a serious inventory of what I've done to my loved ones and to myself, mm-hmm. but mostly to the ones that I love that, that, that my, my behavior, my actions have caused real hurt in the lives of my loved ones. You know, I've uh, dropped in on some 12-step groups in the past, and it seems those settings, people are pretty forthright. They don't usually mince too many words. Is that true in the with the Celebrate Recovery Program, or because it's all Christian, you know, do people raise their hands and stuff? And No, it's... it's... There, there are certain small group guidelines. If anyone's ever been to a small group, those are very important. But that's only to keep things organized, and 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 uh, we're not here to fix other people. We're here because we need help, so we okay. don't project our thoughts onto others. We just share our own uh, thoughts. But the key is that yes, we want to create a safe environment that people can share their deepest feelings Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we need to confess our problems and discuss them to help overcome those problems. Sean, we have got to talk more about this. There are so many people that are hurting. Some of you tuning in today to American Indian Living, you may be in the throes of an addiction right now. And if you're not, Odds are there's someone very close to you, whether it's in your family, whether it's in the tribe, whether it's in the workplace, there's someone dealing with addictive behaviors. And the good news is there is help. If you're getting help right where you're at, if there are resources available, we're not saying pull away from those. But Sean has got some uh, encouraging stories coming up in our next segment, things that will help engage you with other resources available to you. Don't go away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian living stay tuned today's broadcast has been pre-recorded however if you have questions about today's show or would like further information please call 1-800-775-HOPE that's 1-800-775-4673 we'll be right back after this this is betty white i know you don't need one more thing to worry about but listen High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. 
For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with Sean Milano. We're speaking about recovery resources. If you're dealing with addictions, there is hope for you. Sean, we've been talking to people, some of whom may have experienced a 12-step program, maybe they got help, but maybe they didn't connect. Maybe they didn't feel that they could relate to that particular program that was available to them, maybe in their community. And you're saying there are other options available. Uh, You've talked about this Celebrate Recovery program. You've also mentioned the Journey to Wholeness. Let's just frame things a little bit more. These 12-step programs, you were trying to help us understand what these 12 steps involved, and we started by talking about recognizing our need, our powerlessness, that we were in the throes of an addiction, if you will. What else do these 12 steps involve? Well, we need to say, you know, we need to what's called repent or say, I, I've had it with this behavior, and I'm mm-hmm. ready mm-hmm. to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And then we make a decision to turn our lives and our will over to to God, to Jesus Christ, who is the higher power, who's the only one who can help us through it. And so that that turning away from sin and turning to God for help is the important next steps. So in the conventional 12-step programs, mm-hmm. they might not... Uh overtly identify that higher power as Jesus. That's right. Someone from a Native American background who may not be a Christian might say, that's the great spirit. They might say, you know, it's my ancestors, whatever. Is that all fair enough in those programs? Absolutely. But in the Celebrate Recovery and the Journey to Wholeness, you've especially tailored those 12 steps to the Christian community. That's correct. So someone who's looking for that, if they say, well, you know, it's okay that other people are wanting to look to another higher power, but I want to look to Jesus. I'm coming from a Christian perspective. So this is especially for those individuals, right? That's right. 
So basically, tell us a little bit about your story, because I want to just pause here and, and see if we can understand this. You told us that you went to these Celebrate Recovery meetings. When you first showed up, did it help you to hear other people talking about their problems, or do you say, wow, these people are all messed up and it was hard to come back? I'd have to say both, because, you know, I had never been. Okay. And I would say, while some people are struggling with some very serious things, and I was trying to get help with my alcoholism, just drink my drinking. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, you downplay it in your own mind. So I'm like, you know, drinking does affect those in my life. And I want, and I was done with it. And I, and I was repenting and I wanted to confess and move on and get the help that I needed. But, and it was very helpful to hear from others that were struggling. And some were struggling with much uh, more difficult things like, let's say, heroin addiction or something okay. that was, well, maybe in my mind was even more difficult to overcome. But people were there struggling um, with these addictions. So it was very encouraging that community to know that I was not alone was very important in yeah. the healing. Now, one of the things I've learned, Sean, just uh, this week as I've been interviewing folks is that the journey to wholeness, and I'm gathering right now as you're talking about Celebrate Recovery, these programs are different from many of the 12-step programs because many are very focused on a particular problem. You're going to NA, it's a narcotic addiction. You're going to AA, it's an alcoholic problem. You're going to OA, that's overeating problem and weight issues often. But what I'm hearing here is that a lot of these Christian programs, they've got a broader net. Anyone who wants to admit that they've got some type of addictive behavior is welcome under this tent, if you will. Am I, am I hearing this right? Absolutely, and that's that's the wonderful thing. And when groups get large enough, they split into smaller groups. And let's say there was a group of women struggling with codependency. Okay. They could form a group. But yes, all people are welcome. Men and women, whether it's codependency, drug addiction, pornography, alcohol, there's room for everyone in these uh, in, in in these groups. Now, the critic is probably going to say, "Well, I mean, this is kind of lame." Okay, I mean, why would I go to some place where people have got all kinds of different problems when I'm dealing with alcohol? I just want to go to AA because these people really understand what I'm going through. Is that a a, a valid criticism, or do you find from your experience, Sean, that there was something because you were had problems with alcohol? You were an alcohol, you are an alcoholic in recovery. Um, is that something that helped you to have people dealing with other problems in the same group? Indeed, it was because. I learned that it doesn't matter what we're struggling with. There's common, deno common denominators mm -hmm. associated with all of these problems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the encouragement from others sharing their testimony was one that made me realize that I was not alone. While there may be some uh, techniques that alcoholics shared that were unique and very beneficial, these other folks were very encouraging as well. Okay, so we're walking through these 12 steps. So we've come to a point of admitting our problems, admitting our need. We're repenting, if, uh, if you will. What uh, happens from there? So we're asking the Lord to take these things away from us. And to um, we're humbling ourselves, and we're asking the Lord to remove our shortcomings. And then we move on to reconciliation, because then we want to 
make right any of the wrongs that we've mm-hmm. done. We admitted that we had a problem. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. want to overcome it. And now we want to take a, an inventory of those that you've, you've harmed. Let's say your wife and your children, and you want to make amends. I think it's remarkable. I, I find so much in many circles doesn't really deal with making things right. I mean, people talk about recognizing need or forgiving people, uh, but oftentimes there's no attempt made at restoration. Basically, what you're saying in the 12-step programs, if you've hurt someone, if you've financially taken advantage of someone, are you supposed to make that right too? Absolutely. If the only time you don't want to reconcile is when it would harm someone. Give me an example. What would that look like? That might be, you know, uh, there could have been some very um, shocking and disturbing sexual violations and that, Mm. you know, there could be restraining orders and you would not want to violate things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, when those things happen, generally people are incarcerated, but when they get out and if they need help, Mm -hmm. there are times when then contacting someone you've, uh, you know, you've harmed, it could be destructive. Okay, okay, and I could see that. Destructive to you or to the person. Or to the person, sure. But it's there's a lot of... It's very important that you apologize to your wife and to your children or those that you've harmed. Mm. It's, it's, it's not only healing to you, but it's healing to them. And your behavior has caused these problems to begin okay. with. So it's very therapeutic for everyone that reconciliation is made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're at step six or where are we're we? Down, we're down in the meat. We're down in seven and eight okay. and, and, and nine. Um, wherever possible, we're reconciling. And then you have to make a continued um, commitment to staying sober. Mm. And that is the daily living and the daily struggle. And then by by daily applying the things of the 12 step, by daily uh, saying, Lord, you know, uh, I need help today. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if you have, uh, you know, constantly repenting, you go through the cycle again. You say, well, that was wrong what I did. You know, mm-hmm. if someone if someone took a, had a drink and had, if they're starting their sobriety over again, but then they have to start the process again. Okay. You know, it's a commitment to living a godly life, letting the Lord work in your life so that you can have sobriety on a day-by-day basis. And that's why the community is also important. When you leave the community and you don't have the accountability then you can you're you're now in a weak position mm-hmm. where things mm-hmm. can start all over again what about this business of sponsors you know i've heard about this for years in many of these 12 step programs does celebrate recovery and journey to wholeness do they also uh, talk about having sponsors yes before a 12 uh, 12 step program uh, begins you need an accountability partner or a sponsor okay and that is because remember we admitted in step 1 that we were powerless hmm. and accountability is very important why do you think uh, programs like the biggest loser are so attractive to the people why would they want to humiliate themselves on a program like that and you know what most of them say tell me they say because I needed the accountability so badly okay. that I was willing to do it. Wow. Okay. And that's why a sponsor is so important. Sean, you've given us a lot of great information. There are some great resources out there. Our time in this segment has just about slipped away, and I know you've got to leave. 
tell us uh, some closing thoughts. Where should people go from here? Well, if if they're living in a sparsely populated uh, area, the chances are Celebrate Recovery is going to be their best bet. And so they should Google that and find out where their nearest mm-hmm. uh, program is. If they go to AdventistRecovery.org, mm-hmm. they can find these uh, Journey to Wholeness program uh, where folks are meeting through AdventistRecovery.org. Okay. So basically, uh, Celebrate Recovery, if you look that up, Google that, you can find uh, many of these chapters. So this is a... Um, non-denominational Christian approach to addiction, and then there's a specific approach developed by the Seventh-day Adventist Church that they uh, can be found at AdventistRecovery.org. Well, as we're, uh, we're winding up, Sean, I know there's some people right now, they've been interested in what you're saying, but they're not just quite ready to take that step and check out a program. Do you have any final words of encouragement? There is hope in healing in community. I beg you to find a program and join it soon and begin your recovery. Sean, thank you so much. That's Sean Milano. We're going to step away from uh, uh, the program right now just for a brief break. We're going to be coming back. We've got another great guest, totally different direction we're going to go in the second half of the program. You'll be surprised to see where it takes us and what implications it can have for you, your family, and your tribe. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Don't go away. More to come on today's edition of American Indian Living. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live united. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more.
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose on today's edition of American Indian Living. I promised you that when we came back, we had another exciting guest for you, and I am delivering on my promise because Kevin Sears has showed up. Kevin, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. Great to be here, Dr. DeRose. Kevin, some people know your name. You have been around doing a lot in communities over the years. I can't even remember when we first rubbed shoulders. Was it in Chattanooga when there was a big health initiative down there? Does that sound right? Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, it was probably 15 years ago, I want to say. long time. So anyway, Kevin and I go way back. We're getting reacquainted. He is running a program right now called NETS, N-E-T-S. He's the director of that training program based in New England, not far from Boston, right? Yeah, about an hour west of Boston. And your roots are in the Boston area. They are. They are. I grew up all around Boston. So right now, we've been talking in this show about recovery. We've been talking about people who turn turn their lives around and resources to help people basically break free of alcohol, drugs. You're running a program that's helping communities. You're trying to keep people healthy, trying to improve their health. Is your experience totally foreign to that world of of addictions? Certainly not. I came out of the world of addictions. I was um, an alcoholic as well as a drug addict for for many years. Okay. And so somewhere along that uh, pathway, that higher power, uh, as we were speaking in the last segment, got your attention. Yes, sir. And actually in prison that happened. Really? Okay. And um, and you, like uh, my previous guest, Sean Milano, for you, that higher power was Jesus Christ, right? Absolutely. So now you've turned your life around and you are trying to make a difference in communities through NETS. Tell us a little bit about the NETS program. What is that all about? Sure. Well, you know, God changed my life around, and all I wanted to do at that point was to help people mm. so that um, help people that were in my situation, but also help people before they got into that situation. And so we now have a training school, uh, a four-month training school right in New England, and one of the main focuses of that training school is the health um, aspect. So we do spiritual health, but we also do physical health. And so we have great opportunities that have opened up to us to be able to, for instance, uh, we just got back last week from West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they had the big floods out there. And so we were able to go out there. And um, Your Best Pathways to Health was out there as well. Huge program uh, for helping people. And um, so we were a part of that. We were a part of helping people um, clean up after the flood. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of people that died. And wow. and, and houses just washed away and churches. Mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of a, a mess. But... Um, was a great blessing that we had that opportunity to go out there and and uh, this is kind of an entering wedge to get to know people and uh, and then share um, the health aspect so now was this your school that actually went as a school trip well no it was actually myself i i'm a part of uh, so as the director of the school i go out um, when i get calls for different areas and it was asi um, that is doing a program out there, the Youth for Jesus program. And so there was about 50 young people from around the world that are there for a month or so. 
And um, so I was a part of that. And this is another one of those community-based programs. Community-based programs. Where teenagers are actually making a difference. They're giving health lectures and uh, yes. Bible lectures in churches. Yes. Am I understanding that? Yeah, they're making a huge difference. And so they are doing health lectures. They do healthy cooking classes. They do Bible seminars. Then they help in the community. Uh, again, example, the West Virginia, where they are helping with uh, people cleaning up after the flood and so on. So basically, you've got this school this NETS training program that is based in Massachusetts that runs on a pretty much typical semester schedule. So yes. you start, what, at end of August, beginning September? Yeah, we end of August, and we run to right before Christmas. Okay. And then you've got this other program where you it's held in different parts of the country every summer, and you work with a usually a little bit younger group of, of students is that fair to say yeah so that's the youth for jesus program we're a little bit we're kind of tied in with that because i go out there and teach um, okay. for their first week and then help them in the in the bible as well um, in the, the bible lectures so let's let's focus on the health element because sure. there's folks that are listening they say well we don't have addictions is this another recovery program you're dealing with a much broader set of health issues than just dealing with drug and alcohol and other substance use disorders, right? Sure. I mean, there's mental health issues that are huge uh, now, and uh, there's many different uh, aspects to the health programs that we do. Now, I know that you have a lot of world-class speakers mm -hmm. that teach in your school. They're not even based there. You just fly people in. Am I understanding it right? We do. We fly people in from all over the place. Now, you were telling me some about the lineup in the fall of 2016, some of the folks who were on your teaching faculty. One of the names that I think a lot of my listeners would know is Mark Finley. I can first remember hearing about Mark Finley. I don't know. It's a long time ago. Date both Mark and I to, to uh, disclose that over the radio. It's got to be at least 30 years, though. And Mark, back before communism fell, he was doing health education programs in Eastern Europe. I remember that in Poland and yes. doing stop smoking programs. So he was talking about how we can make a difference in communities, even that seem to be closed to uh, just really people, average lay people that may want to make a difference. So what does Mark have to do with a program like yours? Is he working with this uh, very intimately? Sure, he is. Actually, he's one of the co-founders of NETS. Mark mm. Finley was. And um, and he and uh, Dr. Donald King co-founded NETS. And and so now we, um, Mark Finley has opened an evangelism school in Virginia, and mainly to, to train pastors with small churches on how to grow them and using intricately the health aspect of that. And so now we, uh, NETS, we're going to be t able to take our students every semester out to his school because it's about only about a 10-hour ten, ten drive. Mm -hmm. So we're going to drive our students out there every semester for a week and a half, and he's going to gear his program uh, especially for our students. Okay. And with that, the time that we're out there, he will be doing health uh, lectures and health programs in the community in the evenings that our students will be able to take part in as Excellent. well. Another name that may be familiar to folks is Don McIntosh. Don is a registered nurse, but he's also done a lot with faith communities over the years. Don runs a program that I actually helped with uh, 
not all that long ago, but some years ago, I was on the faculty of a program in Northern California, and he's been training lay people to be involved with health initiatives in their community. Is that what he's coming to your school to teach as well? He is. He's coming to teach on health, and um, he's coming to teach on um, some things in the Bible that that talk about health, optimum health. And so we're very excited about him coming. He's going to be coming for two weeks, and we're going to do a, a program, a couple of programs in the community while he's there as well. Very good. Now, I know Don has been very big on doing these health fairs and health screenings. Is that something you do in communities where you work? We do. So we every semester we do a big health fair, and we usually will do it in a public park. Uh-huh. And uh, so you get a lot of people to come, and we, we advertise. And you'll get hundreds of people coming out in a short amount of time. Well, you know, Kevin, I think one of the other big questions that a lot of people probably have, and to be honest with you, one that... Uh, uh, I sometimes wonder about, too, when we hear about these different programs, is, uh, you know, this is obviously, as you've been sharing, it is a program that has a Christian foundation to it. So you've got people who have some pastoral backgrounds or work teaching people to work with churches. Are these programs very oh, overtly Christian with someone who's not a Christian, would they be uncomfortable with the health screening, for example, that you offer in a community? That's a great question, and I'm glad you asked that. Um, absolutely not. Um, they're not overtly Christian, although the uh, the base is Christian, but uh, everybody is comfortable there. And and so we just go through God's eight laws of, of natural health. And people, uh, when they come through, they are so excited by the end. Uh, because we put tools in their hands to to begin a healthier life, and so they're very excited usually. And again, we've had hundreds of people come through every almost every health fair we do, and everybody's excited at the end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking now of many of our listeners. There are folks listening today from Indian country who may they may relate from a Christian perspective. They may say, "Oh, this is great. We'd love to do this. I'm active in a church." Uh, in my community, we'd love to do something like uh, this in our community, make more of a difference as far as the health of people. Others who are listening, they're uh, they're not interested in anything that's, that's Christian, but they would love to have some more training in how to run a health program, how to run some of these seminars, because don't you train your students how to do seminars for depression and heart disease and a whole host we of do. things? We do. So is this... Uh, would someone feel uncomfortable coming to the NETS program, the four-month program, if they weren't interested in a, a Christian program? What do you think? Well, it, if, to come to the four-month program and if they weren't interested in the Christian aspect of it, although a lot of it does focus on the health, but a lot of it does focus on on the Bible and Bible prophecy and last-day events and, and things like that. So they may feel a little uncomfortable uh, in that situation. We have done, um, when we bring in certain instructors that are very well known and very well respected, some people have called and said, hey, can we come for that one week or that two weeks? And we have opened that up for people. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So who else do you have in your lineup as far as teachers? We mentioned Don McIntosh and Mark Finley. So Don McIntosh, Mark Finley, we have uh, John Bradshaw, we have... Um, Evelyn Kissinger and Vicki Griffin out of uh, Michigan, they, they usually, one of them usually comes. We have um, Dr. Leroy Daly, 
out of New York. He comes with a whole team of physicians, and they teach on natural health and healing mm-hmm. plants and and different aspects. Very interesting, uh, very interesting topics. So they come for some time, and um, we've had Katja Reinert, who is a, a well-known name um, to a lot of people. That she comes and teaches for a week or so. And so usually people will see these names and that's when they'll call and say, can we come for that week or two weeks? Okay. So how does someone, let's say we're talking right now and someone says, oh, wait a minute. They're going to have uh, John Bradshaw. He heads up this, uh, it is written group. Uh, he's known all over the world. They want to come and, and take advantage of what uh, John is teaching. How exactly, uh, would somebody, uh, say, Get a hold of you. How do they get a hold of Nets? Yes, so you can get on our website, and it's www.netsatlanticunion.org. So, again, that's www.netsatlanticunion.org. Okay, I think I got that. So, N-E-T-S, like a fisherman's net, but plural. And then Atlantic, like the ocean right here near us in Maine. Nets Atlantic Union, and then what is the, is it dot? Dot org. Okay. Well, Kevin, we have to step away for just a couple of minutes. We're going to be back. Kevin is going to be sharing with us some, I think, fascinating insights, things that can improve your health and improve the health of your community. He's going to be, going to be sharing with you some of the best things that he and his team have discovered can make a difference in the health of communities. You don't want to miss our final segment on today's edition of American Indian Living. Kevin Sears is staying by. I'm going to be here. We just don't want you to miss out. We will be right back. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You're listening to American Indian Living. More right up. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, 
Doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for the final segment in today's edition of American Indian Living. Kevin Sears has uh, done just what I promised he would do. He has stayed by. I am still here. That's obvious. And if you're listening, you're still here. So we're glad that you're here for our final segment of today's show. We've been speaking about the NETS training program. People are coming from, is it safe to say, all over the world to go through this program? They are, yes. So you've got international students. And um, maybe you don't want to talk about this, but I think we have to. I've heard that your program is relatively inexpensive for a four-month training program. It is. Are, are you going to tell us how much it costs? Sure. For four months, it costs 4300 and that includes your housing. And... Um, and so it doesn't include your food, but uh-huh. uh, we make sure nobody goes hungry. And we actually teach on organic gardening there as well. And so we have a big organic garden that uh, when the students come in the fall, it's harvest time. And so uh, we give all those vegetables, uh, nice organic vegetables, to our students as wow. well. Wow. Okay. So uh, actually, four, it's just over $4,000 for four months. I mean, that's... Uh, Less expensive than uh, many uh, accommodations in many parts of the country. True, true. And uh, it's the least expensive four-month of evangelism school that there is. Okay. And so you call it an evangelism school. So you're actually teaching people uh, about biblical principles, but you have this strong health emphasis as well. Yes, correct. Okay, Kevin, let's talk a little bit about health. Let's really keep it focused there because I know that's a big part of what you do. Tell us about some of the people that have been impacted and give us some lessons, some takeaway lessons, so even if someone never comes to the NETS program there in Massachusetts, they can still benefit from today's show. Sure. Um, I I could tell you many stories. One I'm thinking of is uh, one of the health fairs that we were uh, about to do this Sunday morning. We went out knocking on people's doors just before we began that, and we spoke with this gentleman, um, and... As we spoke with him, we invited him out to the health fair, and he came out uh, about two hours later. And part of the health fair, we take blood pressures. And Mm -hmm. as we took his blood pressure, it was through the roof, very dangerous. He was in a very dangerous uh, blood pressure range. Mm -hmm. And so we had nurses on hand there, and they were able to help him. And then right from the health fair, they would start visiting him at his home and, and help him with uh, lifestyle changes and diet changes and things that were really hurting him. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were able to bring him back to a normal blood pressure range. And he was very thankful, of course, and we were mm-hmm. very excited that uh, that we were able to reach him that morning uh, of the health fair that we did. So, I mean, here's someone who could have been a potential stroke or heart attack patient. Certainly. And because you were going out in the community door-to-door, that's how he learned about this uh, health screening event. Wow. So basically one of the models that you're using, you do these screenings in the community. 
you have people go out door to door, letting people know about it, as well as using conventional advertising. I mean, do you send out flyers or things like that? Yes, we would send out flyers. We might do a newspaper ad, something like that. Yes. Okay. And then after someone goes through this program, say someone has this screening, like you mentioned, high blood pressure, you have the capacity to work one-on-one with people? We Most of the time we do. Okay. And then do you also sometimes run follow-up programs that would be focused on addressing some of these issues? We do. So sometimes we'll have health lectures on. uh, So as we see who came through the health fair and we look at all the potential problems that have come through there, then we'll gauge that and bring in somebody to do health lectures on what was the most common problem uh, in that health fair. Very good. And uh, also we do healthy cooking classes, which is tremendous. Uh-huh. We always get a, a great turnout for those. And so uh, that's all part of the follow-up program. We also have in place um, many times, not always, but many times we'll have in place uh, lifestyle coaching. Mm-hmm. And so we can work with people uh, on an ongoing basis with their diets and their lifestyle and making sure they're drinking enough water, which is huge, and and so on. So if I'm framing this correctly in my mind, because I've never been to your school, and I know it's not your fault. I think you have invited me to come I before, have right? invited you many times. Okay, We're well, still trying to get okay, you out. Okay, well, sorry about that. I, <laughs> yeah. I think there was even some teaching uh, opportunities, right? Am I, is my memory failing me? This is, is true. This okay, is true, yes. so maybe this uh, meeting here in New England was was designed to make me feel guilty. <laughs> but uh, a- anyway, so I've not been there, but I'm trying to make sure that I and, and all my listeners have the, the clear picture here. You're training folks. Uh, many of them may not have a, a marketable job skill. Many of them may come out of a career. Maybe they're between jobs. Is that safe to say? Sure. sure. So they're getting these additional skills. You're teaching them how to make a difference in the health of their communities. But because you're a Christian program, you're also teaching them uh, tools of what uh, in the Christian world they would call evangelism. That actually comes from a word that means sharing good news. And so you're doing this uh, these spiritual education classes. So you're helping people physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Is is that uh, a fair summary? 100% correct, yes. Okay, so someone comes to NETS. Somebody's listening right now. They're from my home state right now of California. They say, wow, this sounds like a great program. I've heard of programs like it, maybe even my own backyard, but it's going to be cheaper for me to buy a plane ticket and fly out to New England than to stay right where I'm at because the tuition is so inexpensive with the room and board and all. And by the way, you know, Kevin Sears sounds like a great guy on the radio. If he's half as good in person, I'm going to have a great time, okay? (laughs) So I'm just putting words in somebody's mind. Anyway, they show up, Kevin, from day one. What's the program like? What is the experience? What do students tell you about the program? Students tell me uh, usually every single class two things come up. Everybody needs to learn these things, Mm. and it is life-changing. Those are the two main things that come out of the mouth of almost every student that we've had. Everyone needs to come, and it's absolutely life-changing. And so, and it's life-changing for us as staff as well mm-hmm. as we continue to work with new students every semester and going into different communities and seeing people's lives change that we're working with, especially on the health. There's nothing like it for us. We've been talking about some life-changing stories, take-home lessons. You told us about high blood pressure. Tell us another story of someone you impacted through your community health work. Sure. So um, just last semester... 
we did a we did a big program that ran about three weeks in the community, and um, we had done a health fair leading up to that, and so we get to know people a little bit. And through this three week program, there was a man coming that uh, was local clergy in the area, uh, kind of high ranking local clergy, mm-hmm. and during the time he was coming, he got very very sick. Mm. Um, he had diabetes, he had glaucoma, he had uh, just a whole host of of different ailments. Mm -hmm. And so uh, at the end of the program, I went to visit him and got to know him a little bit better and and started visiting him and trying to offer help. Well, uh, recently he fell and broke his shoulder and uh, he's a a vet as well. Mm -hmm. And so his Medicaid ran out. And so he had, didn't have enough money for pers- uh, for uh, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I know somebody that works with us, and he's one of the top physical therapists in the world. Used wow. to be the physical therapist for the Boston Bruins hockey okay. team, okay. for the U.S. Olympic um, okay. team. And so I spoke with him, and he offered to to help this man not only with his physical therapy, but also his wife is a... Uh, really good at helping with diabetes and different ailments. So uh-huh. they decided they will help this man absolutely free um, oh, wow. until they can bring him to health. And so I told him, and of course he was very excited about uh-huh. that because he was kind of depressed um, when I went because uh, he's a little older and he's thinking about life mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. where this has all led him. And now he's got all these ailments and nowhere to help, uh, someone to help him. So. It's wonderful. You're making a difference in communities. Our time is just about up, but we started this whole show about alcohol and drugs and recovery. I know we don't have time to tell the whole story. You and I had talked uh, uh, during the break a bit, but you also are doing some work with alcohol and giving some educational messages that you found uh, seem to help with some people with uh, drug and alcohol problems. Yes, this is absolutely amazing. What has been found is that people that struggle with alcohol, most, if not all, also have low blood sugar. Mm. And so they've decided to let's try to treat the low blood sugar instead of the alcoholism. And as they treat the low blood sugar, the craving for alcohol has gone away almost 80% of the patients. Well, that's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Well, there's people that want more information. I know it, Kevin. Give us your contact information again. Yes, so the website would be www.netsatlanticunion.org, and the telephone number would be 978-368-2638. Okay, so I think they all got that netsatlanticunion.org. We've given that several times. But the phone number, that's new. What is that again? That is 978-368-2638. 978-368-2638? That's correct. Kevin, it sounds like you're doing a great work there. Maybe one day I will get to help out. Thanks for joining We're us today. We're hoping so, yes. Thank you very much for having me. That's Kevin Sears with the NETS training program. He's the director. You can make a difference in your community. You can change people's lives. Simple techniques take advantage of resources that are out there. I'm Dr. David DeRose. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.